We're coming in hot to give you our hot takes on all the latest mental health news. From headlines and memes to developments and breakthroughs. We go into this show blind with the hopes of learning something new. Before sharing some bunny hugs. And leaving with our eyes wide open. I'm Nick. And I'm Todd. And this is Mental Health Headline Hot Takes. We're glad you're here. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a good week? I had a week, but I feel like that's usually the case. No, I'm just kidding. There, yeah, there's some good stuff this week. How about you? It's getting there. The, the wife's been very sick and the kid's been sick. So, um, you know, that affects me as well, even though it doesn't affect me physically. But yeah, yeah. there's a vibe in the house a little bit, but everyone's getting better. It's, it's getting better. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, anyway, let's... We we had some really good fake banter there, so now uh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll right. go right into an, our <laughs> yeah. I'll go into our my headline here. Uh, this the story headline is youth still suffering from mental health impact of COVID, and the source is Sharon Burns from Thor. Okay, this is weird. Thor Thoroldtoday.ca. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right. Um, eh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> That's a yeah, tough one. yeah, it's their fault for not making it more obvious. Uh, I did see so, that headline too. It's unfortunate really? and not surprising, but except mental health is a uh, that's a Canadian article actually. But anyway, uh, so, so I, I'll, I'll give a few quotes from the articles here. Uh, so short term impacts of lockdowns and school closures during the three years of the pandemic show that youth, in particular, have been and may still be suffering from mental health issues," said Doctor Amanda Sherman. Uh, she was talking to somebody there. Uh, screen time went up 50% during pandemic and hasn't come back down. And as a father, uh, (sighs) uh, 19 and a 17 year old, I can say that's true, but also, I mean, they were also on the screens more because that's how they were doing their schooling. So, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, people like working in, you know, non manual labor jobs were now doing all their meetings over zoom. Exactly. Yeah. Um, youth decreased their physical activity by 20%. Uh, there was a disruption in routines to sleep, nutrition, and the idea of coping with uncertainty, which I think it was everybody, not just <laughs> youth, yeah. but, um, but also intimate partner violence went up, which of course then impacts in uh, the youth? children. Uh, or, or just in general, <laughs> just in, just in oh. general, but you know, that's mom and dad are now scrapping all the time. Right. So that affects the children. Um, and, uh, I, I, luckily not in our house. Um, uh, well, I'll let my lawyer talk on that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Cause that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, another impact of COVID on youth resulted in increased rates of hospital emergency department visits and hospitalizations for self-harm. Sherman noted that hospital visits from female youth were higher than visits from youth, not saying that males weren't also impacted. Uh, but I, 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 I beg to say that it probably was just as impactful on boys. It's just boys just are less likely to report. Or exactly yeah. yeah yeah so so what uh, i i won't I'll, I'll just briefly say that uh it was actually eating disorders were the number one thing that went up and it was almost all girls um and i i mean think about this what were they doing they were on tiktok right what are you watching on tiktok fitness dancing 
all of that stuff that's just going to make you look inward, unfortunately, and exactly say, hey, why don't I look like that? Why don't I move like that? Why am I not funny like that? All these things are just kind of probably impacting your mind. And they're on their screens more. So, yeah, of course, that stuff's yeah. going to affect them. Uh, but not just the numbers went up, but actually the severity of the disease of eating disorders went up. So, um, so people are coming in even like, like first time diagnosis, um, people, usually it's not that severe. They get diagnosed early, but she was saying that the severity was actually quite high. They were already mm. really sick physically too, mm. um, which is kind of scary. But, but again, I, I beg that boys were also uh, affected, but there was maybe drinking or anger or, um, I don't know. I, they they just let it out differently. Whereas I yeah. think the girls were, for whatever reason, they go to eating disorders. But um, one challenge that they're still having is trying to get kids back into school. And I can say this with my 17 year old. Uh, we are also kind of having trouble. Um, but also we don't, I, I shouldn't say trouble because we just let him stay home. If he's not feeling good mentally or physically, we're like, stay home. Like, yeah. You're home for three years. <laughs> like, what's another couple you know, of days? Well, also think about so 17. So he was what, 14, 15 when all this started. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been three years. Yeah. I, what the heck? No, yeah. four years. Has it been four years now? Well, it was 2020. It was like the 2021, spring of 2019. 2020 it was it was like february march of 2020 2020. yeah (laughs) because i (laughs) remember i remember because my friends and i so in chicago going out on saint patrick's day is like what you do like you start drinking at like five in the morning if you if you get up you know we die the river green all this (laughs) stuff it's a really big holiday i remember my friends and i were getting together and there was just all the rumblings of everything starting to shut down and we were just like, whatever. Mm. And then we were out and it was like significantly less crowded than it usually was. And we're like, are we doing something wrong? <laughs> Should we not be doing this? <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah. it's been almost four years now. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be a teenager where you're in your prime of like socializing and like really learning how you're going to show up in the world, which I would argue goes on forever. But it's such an influential time in their lives. Like I can't even imagine what that would be like for a teen. Yeah. Well, so it's affected both my kids differently. My younger one, he's a very social guy. He's got a real tight group of friends. We live in a small town, so it wasn't a big deal if they went out and went for walks and hung out. My older one, it was literally grade 10, 11 and 12 was shut Mm -hmm. down. And so he missed out on everything that fun about high school. He's like my wife, uh, has social anxiety, mm-hmm. and the last two years have been rough on him because he went to university with basically no social skills. Right. Uh, even, even his friends that he has, he has a hard time asking them to go and meet. Oh. But he's okay like, not playing online with fault. them. Yeah. No, well, yeah, I know. But why is he okay playing online? Because that's how he interacted with them for four years. Exactly. So... He's having trouble. Um, hopefully he doesn't hear this and give me shit. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I, I've seen it firsthand that, I mean, of course it's going to, I mean, I, I saw the headline. I was like, well, yeah, of course, I'm sure people are going to be affected for a long, long time. But yeah, um, but yeah, 
Uh, there's one more point here she makes. Sherman hears from educators that many students are having a hard time self-regulating their behavior. And I, I bet you that's more boys than girls. So again, I was saying like they act out differently than, right. than maybe eating disorders, but that's just my theory. I don't actually know that, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm not surprised. Article. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really surprised by the acting out. I mean, if you think about mm -hmm. like the big picture of it all, right. Where we, we were, no matter how old you were, you had some autonomy, right? You, you know, a young kid isn't going to be able to dictate everything that they do and all of that, but you had some autonomy to like go outside to, to eat lunch with your friends at the cafeteria every day, whatever that is, that's like all taken away. And then you're put into this, you know, it's like a pressure cooker, right? You're put into your house. You're not allowed to leave. You're only allowed to socialize in groups of whatever it was, six social distancing, all that. Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're conditioning people to, um, to, to not know how to socialize, to not regulate in real life. Cause that's the thing. Like you can learn, it's like therapy, right? 90% of the work is done outside of therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what mm -hmm. most therapists, you know, would, would say something around that same thing with social skills, right? Like you can sit here and be like, I'm not going to get angry, but if you don't practice not getting angry when something makes you angry in real life and you're younger and you're still trying to figure out your regulatory system, and you're trying to manage your hormone going all crazy. It's totally different beast. Yeah. And then you go back to school in the fall and everything's open again. And so now you're supposed to be back to, yeah. you know, like it but, never happened. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think is the big, the big thing for me with COVID is I, I'm like, there's some things that have forever changed and I think we just didn't notice it. But then there's the things that like, we act like it didn't happen. Like how is a kid Ooh. supposed to just go back to school? and act like it didn't happen when they're that young. I just, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. ignoring your trauma. It's suppressing your trauma. Cause we were, I think as a, as a global humanity species, we were all traumatized in one way or another by this. And we're not as a society collectively dealing with it. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I forgot one point that she also made in the article was kids that experienced depression and anxiety before uh, the pandemic experienced worse during the pandemic. And a lot of kids that didn't experience then experienced it. And I mean, this is a, a morbid positive spin on it, but in some ways for someone who's been struggling with depression and anxiety all his life, it's kind of nice in a way that, people that may have never experienced it before have taken, have had a bit of a taste. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, it's, it is mental health is more uh, a forefront issue that people are talking about now. So in a that's way true. it's like, you know, at least that happened, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. I mean, and you don't want to, I know you don't want to wish that on anybody, but it's like, no. it is kind of, it is kind of um, more widely and openly talked about, I think, especially with people our age and younger. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and better understood because they've had a, just a little taste right. of it even. Yeah. What yeah. I want to ask you one question on that. What do you think is the solution for kids that are suffering from post-traumatic, um, COVID? Mean, po yeah, po <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how do I say that? Like post-traumatic mm. COVID symptoms. I have no idea. That's, that's the thing. I have no idea. It's like, 
I, I don't know if peer support or if it's just you it's know, just I, now in our DNA now. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we could do a whole episode probably on that if if not a marathon. I think mm. the interesting thing is that this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kids are learning these behaviors. And we we grew up half with the internet, half without, right? Half with smartphones, half without. These kids are growing up with smartphones in their hands before they can talk or iPads or electronics, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then these apps like TikTok, especially TikTok, have algorithms to specifically get you addicted. So mm-hmm. for example, with TikTok, when you pick up your phone and you go on TikTok and I I have a TikTok, I post and ghost. I never scroll because I know that when you open TikTok, it's the only app that instantly starts feeding you content without any action from you. And then it's just like you swipe endlessly and it's all instant. And I don't know what, yeah, it's the dopamine hits. It really is. I'm saying me, I, yeah, I'll spend, that's how I go to bed. Is swiping oh and swiping. That's the worst thing you could to do. The point to go is to like, bed. oh, oh, it's been two hours. <laughs> oh my gosh! I hope you wear blue light glasses or something if you're doing that. But I'm guilty of doing it more on Instagram because I, I, you know what I get in my reels? I get like, like political stuff, like jokes and memes and videos which i just love them because i think our whole political system's a circus clown show and so i'm just like laughing my ass off scrolling through like <laughs> joe biden falling trump saying something insane it's just like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. funny but yeah i mean the algorithms yeah. are so addictive that they don't even stand a chance and it's almost like even if you you think about oh well i'm just not going to go on it well you you are suffering from depression and anxiety or whatever your you know your challenge is as a as a young person, and then you don't want to do anything anyway. So what is there to do? Scroll, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah. it's really. Yeah. I don't want to end the part on such a somber note, but I don't know what the <laughs> solution is either. Um, and I think it it's almost like more more apps. Right. <laughs> There's the solution. <laughs> How about an app that trains you? to have better mental health self-care practices. I think we have those. I'm sure they're out there. They are. Yeah. 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 They are. But yeah, I know I I had a... They're they're not addicting. (laughs) Right. I had a um, a neuroscientist on an episode of my podcast back in the spring, and he was telling me that um, there was a a new... I do. It's called Eyes Wide Open with Nick Thompson. (laughs) Um, You were a guest. I... 
I felt like he was, what he had said was kids from a new study were spending 16 hours a day on TikTok. Okay. So I know, I know. That's what, all waking hours. I know. I don't know. Like it's crazy. Maybe I'll drop, we should drop the link to that in the show notes, but that episode, like opened my eyes and he talks and he, he's a great follow on Instagram for mental health. His name's TJ power. He does practical advice on there to deal with some of the, the like social media, even porn and stuff like that, like ways to like wean yourself off of this addiction. Mm -hmm. So I think like raising awareness and education of that. But when you look at the headlines and you look at the news, they never give any solutions. They, I, I saw in the news the other day and I don't watch the news, but I put the TV on when I leave the dog. And sometimes if I'm just cooking or something, I'll just leave it on because I'm not really paying attention. But there was a whole news story about um, the, the damages TikTok's having on the mental health of teenagers. And I, and I was sitting there and I'm like, where are the solutions? They're just talking about the problem. Where are the solutions? And they never talk about the solutions. It's true. Even in this article about COVID and stuff, there yeah. was no solutions. It was just like, hey, everyone's sad and yeah. people are still sad. Yeah. So bye. I'll talk next week again to some other school. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Seriously. Okay, thanks for the hope. <laughs> Seriously. So. But I don't know. Maybe it is just part of our evolution now was COVID and, and screens as a, as yeah. a species. I don't know if that's a good thing, but. Here we are. So yeah. I think, so I, I'll throw a solution out there. If you're listening to this, um, take a tech free walk. I do that. I don't have my tech with me. I just go for a walk with the dog. Um, another thing I try to do is I put my phone face down. I have times where I go on do not disturb. Um, because I, I, I don't have my Instagram notifications on and these things, they help because they kind of put it on my time. So if I have something that I want to do, if I have deep work I need to get done or I need to write something, I can't be distracted with my phone, with notifications, with Instagram, with TikTok. So take advantage of the little things that you do have control of. Move your body. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Put your, your Instagram, TikTok notifications off and just start doing these things that are so addictive and mindless and mind numbing, do them on your terms, not on the terms of the moment you get an alert. Right. So I think that's, and that's not to say you're not going to sit there and scroll for two hours sometimes, but it's not act like proactively grabbing your attention, right? You're proactively choosing when you use it. That's from a, mm -hmm. a non-scientist, um, <laughs> pretty stupid I, around the science of it well i kind of needed that talking to to be honest with you because I, well, I actually i actually was directing that at you i just didn't want to say it <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding yeah yeah well no i did need to hear that because yeah but but yeah i mean there's a lot of great things well it's okay we've kind of gone from covid to social media now but yeah there are some things that are really great for you know i'm grateful for social media but yeah I, yeah, I, it's weird. There's, old. yeah, there are benefits to it. Like I've connected with people I never would have connected with otherwise. Um, but I do Me. think that, right, exactly. I do think that it's <laughs> one of those things that can also become just too much and too overbearing. And, and it is like, you know, you, these kids, young people are seeing, and it's like the, ugh, man, I talk about this with one of my friends. <laughs> 
the influencers and stuff. And they're like, they're not even getting like a real inside look into what people's lives are like. Instead, it's just these people that are on a pedestal taking these glamorous photos, doing these glamorous events, glamorizing, you know, everything and never really having the struggles that, you know, some of these people have or that they didn't even grow up with because social media wasn't what it is now. So anyway, mm-hmm. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish young people, I hope that we, we find a way to, to give them a better, like real life social experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't prepared for social media. I was ready to talk about COVID. Yeah, yeah you're TikTok right. TikTok yeah. exploded, exploded during COVID. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah I mean, it was around, but it like exploded during COVID. So anyway, yeah. maybe my mine's sad. Uh, my, my story for today is sad, but I also think that there's um, some positive note on it. It's Rosalind Carter has passed away. That's the first former first lady and the wife of President Jimmy Carter. The article I have today is Rosalind Carter's advocacy for mental health was rooted in compassion and perseverance by Holly Raymer at the Associated Press. So a couple points on this. Rosalind was a powerhouse, I guess is what I'm going to use, on reducing the stigma on mental health and mental illness very, very early on, kind of a pioneer in this space. Like we used to think that we as a society used to think that mental illness and mental health were first of all, interchangeable. And then second Mm -hmm. of all, I mean, let's, let's sum it up quickly. Like we used to do lobotomies to people. And for those of you who don't know what a lobotomy is, that's because it's an archaic practice of literally like piercing someone's brain to calm them down and make them uh, basically catatonic. So if someone suffered from, um, you know, even like a, a, a manic episode, if someone was bipolar, if someone had uh, extreme anxiety or was overreactive, like we would literally pierce their brain with a giant poker to just stop them. So to think that now that was before Carter's time, but the stigma was still if someone was mentally ill we would put them in a psychiatric hospital we didn't have the rehabilitation clinics that we have now we didn't have um you know the mental health services available not everywhere but available in the the way that they are now we didn't have um you know government funding into these um services at least here in the united states and so when when rosalind started advocating uh, for mental health during Carter's presidential campaign, she was able she was able to really like listen to people and see the struggles people were having, um, and it turned her into this this advocate to the point where she had like a mental health task force that she developed um, and helped with po- uh, use that to help move uh, policy into mental health space and mental health care, which was really helpful for people that were suffering. And um, even post, I believe this was post Carter's presidency, she founded the Rosalind Carter Institute for Mental Health. Let me say that again. She founded the Rosalind Carter Institute for Mental Health to provide education and training um, to mental health professionals so that they could actually help people. And I think, um, you know, here in Chicago, specifically this this rings with me because uh, we have a new mayor uh, Brandon Johnson I worked on his campaign and his whole approach so we had 
we had a very contentious battle. We had a sort of pro-cop, really a conservative side of things running as a Democrat. And then we had um, another guy who, who ended up winning. And his whole thing was, we need to treat the cause, not throw people in jail, and has a program called Treatment Not Trauma. And its purpose is to provide more mental health services publicly funded in areas that have had them shut down over the last couple decades. And mm. I think about like those types of programs and the way people are talking about it. And we would have not had that without Rosalind Carter. She was a true pioneer in raising awareness, normalizing and removing the stigma of mental health. Mm. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with her? Um, mostly just within the last few days <laughs> because <laughs> since her death, but yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually more familiar with the president afterwards, Reagan and him shutting down a lot of these places exactly. where, where there was, uh, cause there was a lot of abuse and overpopulating or, you know, it was the overcapacitated, but, but also they didn't replace them with anything other than more no. jails. I would have to look this up, but I believe Chicago closed 12 of 15 facilities over. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 I'm actually, I'm going to, if you don't mind, give me a second. I'm going to look that up because I don't want to misspeak on that. Oh, I was right. Almost right. Oh. So yeah, Mayor Rahm Emanuel uh, here in Chicago closed six of the 12 mental health clinics in the city. It, mm. as part of a massive budget cut. Mm. So it's like, it, it, though, that's half, right? And so now we're trying to get those open back up. I know that there's some big investments that just started going into mental health, but all of this wouldn't have happened without Rosalind Carter because she, mm. she started the programming, pushing the policies to treat this. Um, she also pushed policies to make insurance companies cover mental health services because they never used to cover them. And there's still, there's still a lot of work that could be done there. Yeah, absolutely. I know, uh, I've had trouble with life insurance because I had a suicide attempt 10 years ago. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still tough, but, um, yeah, so that's they won't give you life insurance. Uh, they might now I haven't Jeez. applied for a while, but what, um, what a discrimination. Well, I know it is though. I know I was not, I was like, to be honest with you, it did not help my mental health hearing I that. <laughs> we have a like, family. Oh, yeah. And like we had just moved houses. So it was like, we had to renew our mortgage and Jeez. stuff. And they're like, well, it was actually the bank. Whoever does the insurance for the bank would not give me the, the, um, life insurance for my mortgage. Um, even though my old house did, you know, but, um, so anyway, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, great!" So I'm, I'm a burden. <laughs> I'm not worth being I, insured. It's, you know, <laughs> this is. I was, <laughs> I I'll say arguing, but friend having a friendly debate with a friend of mine earlier today about just politics in general in the in the U.S. And I had this thought this morning while I was walking the dog, and I'm like, we in this world. Do not give people food, water, clothing, and housing, which were taught are the basic human needs from the earliest age in school, unless they have money. Mm -hmm. Like, you literally can't 
survive without money. And you could say, oh, well, you know, homeless people and they don't make money and they somehow survive, like whatever stupid argument you want to come up with, they're still relying on money from something somewhere to keep them alive. And what state of the world is that? Like, you will die of one of a million things probably if you just don't have money, any money. Hmm. Maybe in their obituaries should say, should say, died of capitalism. <laughs> I think we all die of capitalism. But yeah. But it's funny. It's, some of the poorest countries are the happiest countries, but they're oh, also yeah. providing they're providing their own food and they're how they're living with three generations and it's like there's you know human connection there are no screens yeah. you know so it's it is like well i think the simpler too, the better like, maybe yeah like when i worked um i worked for a swedish company during covid and in sweden they never shut down they continued mm. on um but travel was right so there were different things there were recommendations but they never shut down the way we did um they're also one of the happiest countries in the world but the Nordics, they're the happiest countries in the world. And that's because they have such strong social programs that and work-life balance and all these things that people, people don't have to worry about losing their health care if they lose their job like we do here. People don't have to worry yeah. about losing their job because there's a social safety net and that's there to, to make them. And I remember like we had to lay someone off in Sweden and I was just starting at the company and, and I was like, Oh my God, like, are we giving her every, as a manager, I always want to make sure I've given everyone an opportunity to succeed before making a decision like that. And I was mm -hmm. thinking the same thing for him. Like, have we set her up for success? If we need some, different role like we have an obligation to find her something within our company or you know support her until she does find something you know with a severance package or something and <laughs> i remember my coworker was like nick in sweden you don't have to worry about losing your job like you're not going to be homeless we have like less than one percent homelessness and most of it's immigrants and that to me was just such a, a like eye-opening thing because when you have these basic human needs met at like a social security level, you don't have, you don't have like, you don't have to like be at the behest of capitalism or die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that to me, yeah. like that's the kind of thing that we need from our leaders and people like Rosalind Carter and people like, you know, our mayor here, which, you know, there's things he's doing that I kind of roll my eyes at things. He's not doing that. He promised and all that. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, we need people to make mental health a public service because everybody needs support at some point. Yeah. Um, and it's funny people that, you know, debate that they say, Oh, that's socialism. Well, it isn't. <laughs> people don't know it's what actually, socialism is. <laughs> no, it's actually a capitalist country still. Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe they call it from crib to coffin you're taken care of. So if anything, mm. whether it's mental health, you know, so even when you're an old person, you know, they take care of their old people. They take care of their, you know, you're taken care of all through. Uh, and then people and, say, oh, well, their taxes are through the roof. It's they're like, not that much higher. Well, and if if my taxes were going to that instead of the world's largest military, <laughs> no offense, well, America. Um, it's just, you no, know. no. Here, here's the reality of it. Maybe there, there'll there'll be plenty of time to discuss that, but another time maybe. But um, 
that's the thing is like, so I was, I hosted a, a couple campaign events for Bernie Sanders in 2020 at my house. And, um, I brought a coworker from Sweden who was staying in the U S for a year, uh, cause we needed her over here. And I brought her there to talk about how much money she pays in taxes and what that covers. And the reality of it is she pays 33% taxes. Okay. I pay 28. Do you know what say. else I pay? <laughs> you know what else I pay? No. I pay $500 a month for my student loan that I'll be paying for the rest of my life. I pay, um, what am I paying? Like whatever you pay for health insurance, right? Which if you don't have a job, you don't get, or you're paying $800 a month for out of pocket. Plus co-pays, deductibles. Yeah. Okay. So the problem here, but you know, like I say, I'm like, yeah, but I have a badass military that takes 57% of its tax dollars so that we can come and blow you up with the snap of a finger. So you better fall in line and shut up because don't, don't make me do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's the thing though, is I feel like taxes in the U S have a stigma because we don't get anything for them where when you pay taxes in these countries, you're getting services back for from those tax dollars. And that's the difference because they can look at it and say, okay, when they come, so like when she came to America, my coworker, she came to America, she was like, what, what's a deductible? What's co-insurance? Why am I paying this much? She's like, I'm sick. I don't even think I should go to the doctor. Those are the things Americans live with every single day that these other countries don't have to think about. And they're not yeah, paying I, that much more in taxes than us. And hey, guess what? Taxes aren't viewed as this horrific thing like they are here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get free healthcare. <laughs> Sometimes it's not optimal healthcare, yeah, but, you, but yeah, but hey, don't you have to wait in these long, long bread type lines from the 1930s <laughs> to to see a doctor for a cold? Because that's no. what we're told here. Yeah. No. no. So I mean, anyway, we, yeah, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, there's like, we don't have the world's best cancer hospital either, like the States does, but, um, you know, so, I mean, there's, but everybody has their, but basic if you lived here, management. could you afford well, probably the world's no. greatest cancer? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's right. Right. So any, as a Canadian, yeah. anytime I travel to the States, I actually have to get travel insurance in case something I do get sick. And oh, it's wow. quite often like a million dollars insurance. And I remember thinking the first time I was like a million dollars. Why the hell would I need a million dollars? And I had a friend say my mom had a heart attack in the States and it cost her three million to get home. And she she was insured. But if it was much more, her insurance wasn't going to yep. cover it. So there you have it. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Just don't don't mess with our military or our allies because we'll fund them, too. <laughs> was it uh, Joe Biden said we have more than enough money to fund the Ukraine and Israel at war like oh we do cuz i've got a lot of homeless people down the street from me that i think could really <laughs> use a place to stay as it gets cold here in chicago it's just unbelievable anyway uh, rosalind yeah. carter <laughs> the, a true Tangents. pioneer in in like destigmatizing mental health and i thought it would be nice to talk about her accomplishments and i guess you know some of the positive influence she has. And I think our politicians, our first ladies are hopefully someday first man. Is it would it be a first man? 
I don't even know. Um, you know, they could learn a lot from her and really advocate for people that struggle with their mental health. Agreed. Well, we solved the world's problems. Yep. We can be done. And this will be, uh, hopefully everyone will listen to it in the world leader space and we'll be good to go. (laughs) This has been our mental health headline hot takes. We're so glad you came. Remember when you heal yourself, you heal the world. Be sure to like this video, leave comments, and suggest articles for future episodes. Hit subscribe to Eyes Wide Open and Bunny Hugs and Mental Health.